0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Vet Tech Tap Room. This is our spin-off series from the Vet Tech Cafe. These episodes are live and uncut, discussing hot topics in our field, or talking about previous episodes amongst ourselves, and always highlight something positive happening in our profession. These episodes will be published as regular podcast episodes and will also be available on our YouTube channel as well. So get yourself a beer or a potato water and find us live on Instagram and join the discussion. Now if you'll excuse us, those are our beers the bartender is pouring. Hey, caffeinators! Welcome back to the Vet Tech Tap Room, where everybody knows your name. Do do do. Um, and for any <laughs> of you Cheers fans out there, maybe that, some of you. Do you know, are, Jeff. That
1: was the. That was my. Um, I, I don't. I don't know what this says about my high school class, but that was our. Our class song was was Everybody Knows Your Name. Amazing. And we're close <laughs> to Boston, and it was popular for sure, the time. For sure.
0: Yeah. Um, have you actually like? heard the lyrics and or like read the lyrics the actual words they yeah. they're, they're kind of messed up
1: they they're, they're kind of sad yeah
0: <laughs> yeah oh anyway um you got a beer good buddy
1: I I do I've got a a a, a dragon's milk ooh um, nice this nice. was a this was a gift from the last time I watched the neighbor's dog she knows oh, what nice. I like nice. nice bourbon barrel aged stout mhm cheers buddy
0: cheers i have a um of course a double ipa from treehouse called wonderment it's one of their winter holiday double ipas
1: um, lovely and
0: also we're joined um at the vet tech cafe today by a couple of my cats you can see julius up there <laughs> in see her them. hammock and then martin is over my shoulder in his little house there um nice. they came in to record with us today okay. so I,
1: i'm downstairs in the airbnb where the pets are not allowed
0: <laughs> right nice 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 um so, uh, first off, um, you were just on vacay for a couple days and you actually got away, um, over uh-huh. Christmas and how was that?
1: Uh, well, I brought my laptop and I Why? was like, Oh, what if something pops up that I'll, I'll need to, to deal oh, with? Goodness. The only thing that, that I used it for was fantasy football. You'll okay. be happy to okay. know I didn't okay. do anything that did not relate to fantasy football, um, uh. Had nothing to do with work. Didn't really do anything. Well, I did one thing here, but it wasn't my fault, and we'll we'll talk about that when we get to that article. Um, but lots of lots of sun. It was like eighties most of the time we were there. We were only only there for a few days. Um, but and where'd you go? We went to uh, we went to Cancun, but we were in Tulum, which is about uh, an hour south of Cancun. Yeah. Um, so time like, we had to go up to one place to go to isla mujeres Mm -hmm. um which was like an hour and a half drive to get up there so a lot of driving there Um, we were in one of those all-inclusive resorts which is a little bit of a uh i don't want to say it's a scam but it's a little it's a little misleading because it makes it seem like everything is available all the time but you had to have reservations to go into any of the restaurants so it was like I mean, we ate a lot of buffet stuff because that was the stuff you anyone could walk into. But yeah, um, it, it was it was good to get away. It was good to like um, uh, have have a few days to relax and not think about veterinary stuff. I, I had a lot of non-vet days there Great. Uh, and I, I didn't tell that did I, I don't know if I told you this. Um, we came back and we got to the airport and checking our bags and the woman because we were supposed to go to JFK to go through customs and then come down to come down to Raleigh so our our travel day was going to be all day we weren't supposed to get yeah. home till like 8 830 at night and the the woman taking our bag said oh there's a direct flight do you guys want a direct flight and we're like yeah and how and we had to pay like an extra I don't know 70 75 dollars extra per ticket to do that which at still, that point whatever still.
0: Still, heck yeah. I mean that's however many hours you get back.
1: It's it's an it was an extra I think we got there around one thirty or so. So we, we saved like six, seven hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other part is You're that You're worth more when than
0: ten dollars an hour. Oh
1: yeah, easily.
0: Yeah.
1: Um the the other part is that when we got back, we got emails from JetBlue saying, We're so sorry that your flight got canceled. Here's a fifty dollar voucher and we looked up. Our flight to JFK got canceled. So we would have been stuck there.
0: Oh wow!
1: For another day, if we didn't take the deal on getting the direct flight, so we really lucked out with that. Um, wow. Also, we had a teenager with us that was getting cranky, and that was our motivation. Like we gotta get home. I don't, I yeah. don't want to be traveling right an extra six hours with her. Right. Um, so we really lucked out by getting that All direct the way flight. Around. And the only way we didn't, the only reason we didn't book that flight is that that flight was at. I think it was at like 10, 10 o'clock, ten thirty, or something like that. And we didn't think we'd have time to get from our hotel to the airport through check-in, all that stuff. We're like, let's just play it safe and book the eleven thirty flight, not the ten thirty flight, even though that means we have to go yeah. to JFK and all that stuff. But oh, man, thank God we thank God we took that deal because we would have been there an extra day, like trying to figure out where we're we gonna where stay, we, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, dealing with a cranky teenager, right? Uh, I mean, and and I told Robin. I, I said, if, if if we had missed that flight, there, there's a good chance that none of us would be speaking to each other for another week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, it,
1: it, it was great. Um, good to get away. Um, we want to travel more. Uh, that's that's one of the things that we want to do uh, is to travel more. Uh, not necessarily Mexico every time because sure. um, things are expensive. Like we got there and we're like, oh, we'll get a taxi. It'll be cheap. And it was... I think that the, the, I think that each trip was like $150 to take a taxi, which is a lot, but whatever, we're on vacation. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: But, you know, we want to do more traveling and go to, go to more places and do more things like that. Um, Yeah. So that was a good, we, we learned a lot about what not to do (laughs) going to a foreign country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So hopefully next time things will be a lot easier. Nice. Nice. Um, Nice. And you, you did okay holding down the fort here at the cafe. Yes, yes, yes,
0: yes. <laughs> it was a, a busy couple of days, but, uh, but we got through, um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, major And you had a nice
1: Christmas. Yeah. We didn't I, do anything uh, Christmassy at all.
0: Nice, nice. <laughs> Not a single I, uh, day. I worked Christmas Eve and Christmas day. Molly worked Christmas Eve. So we did Christmas with my family a couple days before Christmas and then Christmas with her family the day yeah. after Christmas. Um, and uh yeah it was it was uh it all worked out good it was a good few days and... Well,
1: at at this age Daphne's easy enough to to fool into thinking it's christmas today
0: <laughs> yeah 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 she's at the age where she opens one present and she's so enamored with whatever was under the paper that yep. she doesn't even want to open wrapping. the next thing you know because <laughs> she doesn't want to give up what she just got. So right, right. Yeah, So it was, it was a lot of fun though. She was actually able to like open presents this year and all that oh, stuff. Good. So yeah, yeah. She had a lot of fun. fun. She, she got some fun stuff. So she's pretty jazzed. Yeah. Good, good, good. So, um, on to, uh, tap room E stuff. So, tap room-y um, stuff? yeah, the, the first thing, um, I know we want to talk about is the, um, I guess the AAVSB, announcement if you will about what they're doing with vtne eligibility um and and there's been a lot of sharing and discussion and comments and things online but um so basically i'll I'll just read what their press release said um and this went out december 21st so it's like nine days old now but basically there's Two amendments now. So at their 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 press release says after a thorough expl- exploration of options and weighing their respective advantages and disadvantages, the AAVSB board has decided to amend the VTNE policy. The changes include two bullet points. First, to have the AAVSB approve pregraduate testing for enrollees of AVMA, CVTEA and CVMA accredited schools upon verification of good standing from the school allowing testing during the final semester of the program and the second bullet point is to amend the VTNE eligibility policy to have the AAVSB evaluate and determine the eligibility of on-the-job trained and alternate pathway candidates per each jurisdiction's qualifications. A lot of verbiage there for, frankly, not a lot of change, I don't think. Um, I think just maybe some things that have already been in place and just haven't really been done before and, and maybe some new stuff, too. I don't know. What are your initial thoughts?
1: Well, my initial thoughts, with we'll, we'll start with bullet point one. Bullet point one, um, allowing, them, allowing students to take it before they graduate. I, I honestly don't understand what the benefit of that is. Yeah. Same. Un- un- unless they're doing that, that students that are in their final year of school can take it for free. I don't really see the benefit to allowing them to do that. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh,
0: it's just the final semester.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah the final yeah. semester. Like, yeah. I don't understand what yeah. are they hope what What are they hoping to gain from that?
0: So you know, the only thing I can think and. For my seat, I think there's a far easier solution instead of having these stupid one-month testing windows, just make it a year-round test. Yeah. They, they, they don't administer the test anyway. You go to a testing center who administers tests Monday through Friday every week of the year. Um, so the only thing I can think of is that it allows them to take it potentially one testing window earlier perhaps while information is fresh in their mind. Cause I used to yeah. tell my students and, and maybe you did the same, like because the, the, again, with the way the testing windows is. And at the time we had to take a separate California state exam as yeah. well. And I used to tell them like, Don't after graduation, don't say you're going to study for six months and then take the exam. Like as soon as you leave school, information is actively leaving your brain every day. Take the exams as soon as you can force yourself to study the material. If you take six months off to study, you're going to dork around for five and a half months and then spend two weeks studying. Um, And so the only thing I could think is that maybe it allows it to take it one testing window sooner when they're Maybe while they're fully still immersed in, in school, school and- still immersed in school and study habits and all of that. I don't know. Arguably there's some benefit there, but I, I would argue make them schedule it while they're in their last semester of program or of the of the of the program for like immediately after graduation and have it be a year round test. Like right. Um, it, Because I think, in, and a lot of people have had this comment that I've seen online, and I think it it carries a lot of weight. They do this already with veterinary students and the NAVLI, um, where you can take the NAVLI, the the national exam that the AABSB puts out for veterinary students. Uh, you can do that in your fourth year. But they have already done all of the classroom by then. They're right. only on clinics at that point. So they've right. already learned all the information they're going to learn. Now it's just clinical application thereof. Whereas for us, in our fourth semester, um, we are still in the classroom learning. Like, so it, 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 it's it's a false equivalency there. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I I guess well, I, I think just that's won't...
1: that's school dependent too. Like like ours, sure. I think they did four. They did two years, and then like the last term, the last ten week term, was them doing their externship, and they had a VTNE prep mm-hmm. course that they did. And um, I'll say,
0: cards on the table, I didn't go through an AVMA program. I was alternate route, um, and I taught alternate routes. So I might be speaking some myths, truths here because I, I have no affiliation with the sure. AVMA program or how like what the, the final semester looks like. But from what I saw online from other people that are in those programs or teach at those programs, there is still some didactic learning yeah. that, that occurs then. For us, that, so,
1: that last Ten week term was was, externship and a VTNE prep course. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Or or okay. it wasn't a prep course. It was more like VTNE study, where I, I think the program director like gave them literature yeah. and things to look over to to study for.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that would be my biggest takeaway and question. And and I. I don't know what led to these changes, or yeah, like well, if there was any the, public comment leading up to it, or or if it was just like a a closed door their board their executive board discussion. I don't know why they thought this kind of change was necessary, but I don't know. To me, it just this well. Is uh, if you if you look at the like,
1: beginning the beginning of the article, it says uh, several AAVSB member boards recently asked AAVSB. Board of directors to consider changes to its exam eligibility requirements to address the veterinary team oh, shortage right, right, and right. allow veterinary technicians to be in practicing to their full ability immediately following graduation. So I get that.
0: So, okay, okay. So, again, immediately following graduation they should be able to test the right. day after they graduate right. um, i mean that's to me that's the solution i don't this is 2000 about to be 24 here yeah. in 2 days in 2 days why are we still having a 1 month application window right and a 1 month testing window three times a year like yeah. uh, you know that that's like back in the day where you had to like go to the state Capitol and take a paper and pencil exam and I had to drive to
1: Delaware to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, you, that's how you had to do it back in the day, but like it, to me, for what they charge for application, if they can't figure out how to make this a year round test, like that, that to me is the solution and, Mm -hmm. and not, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I saw some other comments online too about perhaps concern that maybe if somebody passed the VTNE prior to graduation, that maybe they wouldn't finish out the program or follow through with that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, perhaps people that's, that would that's do a, that That's exist. a small. That's a small. I think it's a small percentage. Yeah. But again, you know, I I would, I would hope, and we kind of talked about this off air before we came on that if you're paying all that money to go through tech school, you might as well, you might as well finish and walk away with a piece of paper. You're going to need yeah. 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Who knows long, how far down the road? Yeah. Um, I, so I don't know. It, it's, it's, I, I understand the premise, like what you just read. Um, uh, but to me, it's the wrong solution.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't feel like that's, 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 <sighs> I, I don't feel like that is addressing the vet tech shortage because you've got people that are in school; they're already, yeah. Like if they're, they're going they're, to pass right school, they're going. You, that's not an issue, right. Uh, let, right? Let's move on to bullet point number two. Yeah. Um, to amend the VTNE eligibility policy to have the AAVSB evaluate and determine the eligibility of on-the-job trained and alternate pathway candidates for each jurisdiction's qualifications. Um, so I was a on-the-job trained. Same. Um, I needed—I forget what the number was—like eight thousand hours, which was like, what is that? Like three, four years, something like that. I don't. I, I'm hoping that their amendment is going to be more than just you've been here long enough. Uh, I, I feel like there needs to be—I don't know—maybe a secondary exam for the V T E to allow them to pass it. Uh, because I, granted, for me it was like 15 years ago when I did this, so the the all I had to do was. Was submit and have one of my uh, management team verify that yes, I had enough hours. And I remember I I had been in the field, I had been working for almost twelve years, so I was well beyond the the hours limit. That wasn't the issue, but like doing all that, I was like, really, that's all I have to do? Like just prove that I've worked in the field long enough? That that seems like it's not enough. Yeah, um, I feel like. And, and granted, the the article does not say what their amendments are going to be for the elig- eligibility requirements, but I feel like there should be a lot of recommendation, um, one or two from doctors. Um, I don't know if there should be a, a, a secondary exam for them, uh, like a qualifying exam. I, I don't know if that's something yeah. that we could we could do. Yeah, um, so, I like
0: I, it. In California, it's not a true on-the-job because there is an educational right. component requirement. Right. Um, it's just abbreviated, and it's it's far less uh, semester hours or, or credits, I guess, if you will. Um, but there's still like an education component. Um, so, what
1: just, do, what do they have to do in California to get to take the VT&E?
0: So you have to have that alternate pathway. Right? Yeah, you. It's it's like. Forty-four hundred and seventy, or something like that, hours. It's essentially two okay. years full time, yeah. Um, and then it's three hundred, I believe, three hundred maybe classroom hours. Okay. Um, and so most programs that are that offer alternate route, which there are programs that have both an AVMA path and an alternate route path, depending on your you know career arc and whether you're right. just starting out or if you've been in for a while. Um, so, but there is an education component and, and it's, you know, there are requirements within that, what you're required to learn in that subset of hours. Um, and so it's, it's not truly on the job, but you have to have the on the job experience to qualify, to go that route. But I I guess, you know, I, I think the, the bigger discussion I see online with this is like, I almost feel like. We are making it easier to go on the job instead mm. of making a route. And and like the the I'm I'm sorry that I I don't think the team shortage is a we don't have enough new people in the field problem. It's a we are not making this a sustainable career. Right. And we are losing too many established people problem.
1: Yep. Totally agree. And
0: and, and that's not a AV, a avsb
1: no, so that's, that's 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 not yeah. a
0: them problem. That's not a right. that's not a problem for them to fix. That's an industry that's, problem. not That's not an a industry problem. problem. That's every clinic problem. Um, so all they're doing is hoping to get push more people into the field who are going to leave again in five to seven years because we haven't actually fixed the infrastructure right. that we're bringing them into. And and I think that's my biggest struggle is who like with younger generations than us, like they're not going to put up with that nonsense. Right. It, it, we're, you know? We
1: don't need to fix the, the problem of people getting into this profession. Mm-hmm. We need to fix the problem of people leaving this
0: profession. Cause mm-hmm. that,
1: that's the, I think that's the bigger issue right now. Is, that's the is bigger issue. People and leaving. to
0: me, and like we just said, that's not a AVSB problem. Right. That's, that's, that's an industry problem. And the solution isn't to try to, you know, lift up the red tape and, right. and let more people in because they're just going to be gone. In a short while, yeah. because because the industry is is not right.
1: Well, and, and just kind of thinking of our of our our sports um, uh, collective knowledge, uh, athletes. So think about your athletes; they retire at thirty nine. We think, oh, that's that's crazy early. Like they're retiring before they're even forty. And yeah. if we if we if we take that window of retirement into the vet tech profession. They're retiring at 26 yeah. 27 yeah like before yeah. they before they hit 30 they're yeah. they're retiring from this profession so yeah. and it, it's it's something that we need to fix the the people yeah. leaving not right. so much getting right. more people in because you're just you're just filling the conveyor belt of right. people that are just going to walk out the door in five to seven right. years
0: right and and i know you know the funny thing is, is that the AAVSB also administers the NAVLI, the, the qualifying veterinarian exam. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see the faces of the people on the AAVSB board if somebody proposed an alternate route to getting a DVM degree. <laughs> like, because I, I, I guarantee it, Dave, I, I, there's probably 80 to 90 percent of the v, VTS holding people, I bet, could pass the NAVLI without a mm-hmm. problem. And yeah. if that's the only, like, we want, we want. There's a veterinarian shortage. Sign me up. I'll take the Navy tomorrow. The,
1: uh, the, and have, there's I arguably I'm
0: absolutely I, confident that I. Could I, I
1: don't have it. the. I don't have the numbers on this, but I, I would imagine that the the veterinarian shortage is a much di- more dire need than the tech shortages. I would say so. I, I don't uh, know. I don't know the numbers on that. Someone, yeah, someone correct I mean, me. But
0: yeah, but I, I think again, the problems are are the same. Like it's it's it's. Not necessarily how many veterinarians we're graduating and bringing into the field. It's that we have not we've done a piss poor job, frankly, of making the field sustainable. Yeah, and that's that's not just us on our side. That's veterinarians. That's that's across the board.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and and again, that's not something that I, I applaud them for trying to fix the problem. But I just yes. I just don't think yeah. this is the right way.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, it's like they, they they are coming up with every other solution than yeah. the actual solutions that will <laughs> will will help. Yeah,
1: okay. it's yeah, uh, not to not to trigger anyone, but it, it's it's kind of that same problem of uh, you know gun gun control of of the mass shootings. Like guns are the problem. Oh, but maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Like we're we're fixing everything around the actual problem. Right. Um. Where. <laughs> don't don't come at me for that, people that are listening that are extremely pro-gun. But that's the way I equate like, it.
0: It's like we say all the time when we when we think about – when we talk about these problems with our guests or on tap rooms, we need the veterinarian's help in like mm-hmm. fixing some of these things. But we what we don't need is the veterinarians to tell us what our problems are and then tell us what our solutions are. We right. need them to listen to us to say these are the problems – this is what would actually fix the situation, but we're not the ones that set wages. We're not the ones that get benefits. We're not the ones that do all of these things. That's where we need you to come in. We need you to, to, to lead by doing that.
1: Well, and not, and not only that, and, and, you know, no offense to Molly and Robin, they are fully supportive of us and what we need, but they don't have the, they don't have the power. Right. We need the, the people that, that are at the board level to have our backs to, to make those changes. And, and, Yeah, it, it may just be a thing of of waiting out the older generation and waiting for the okay. younger generation to to get into those positions to actually make changes.
0: Maybe, but you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, like, are those that are actually going to be interested in governance and those kinds of things, generation, next generation, on down the line, are they actually going to be those that have our best interest? Like, right. or is it going to still be? that same group, that same like picture of people just 30 years younger. And yeah. in 30 years, they're going to be those same people. Like
1: I- what we need to do here. Here's, here's the solution everybody. Uh, Jeff, Jeff write gave me the, the idea earlier. Um, write this down. Uh, we need to allow for veterinary technicians to take the NAVLE. Then we can become veterinarians and then we can infiltrate the boards and make the changes that we as technicians need. Yes,
0: yes, yes. it will it, it'll be, it'll be like
1: a Trojan horse situation. Yes,
0: yes, I love it. And and I can think of no less than six or eight guests that we have had on this podcast oh, yeah. and multiple Easily. times that A, could pass that exam, and B, would be excellent leaders. Yep. yep. Yeah, and we could get some stuff done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we need to do. We need we yes. need to scrap this idea and push for letting technicians take the navly. And then we can infiltrate from within.
0: Yes. Yes. I love it. E- I love easy peasy. Yeah. We should yeah, get yeah.
1: that done by like, I don't know, the summer, right?
0: Yeah. 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 For sure. Twenty twenty-four four goals. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. What's <laughs> what's, what's next, next here? So, uh, um,
0: so I saw this online. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I know a, um, as veterinary technicians, uh, again, we cannot be AVMA members and we cannot get JAVMA as a result of that. Uh thankfully my wife is of course a, a veterinarian and we get at
1: the house and, Yeah,
0: Baby a <laughs> member and she gets jabbed. And she bubble. doesn't
1: read it. She just gives it to me like
0: Molly doesn't either. And then yep. I same thing. I flip, I just I read the table of contents, frankly, yep. just like I do back, and see what interests me, and then I read that. But I saw yep. this article online um from actually one of Molly's classmates posted the um the heading of it and I was like, ooh, I need to find that. Um so in the reason a couple reasons I want to talk about this number one Dr. Rourke um who's been on our podcast we were just yep. on his um yeah recently he was one of the authors on this and the uh the the article or the the study is called securing lethal means for suicide a focus group study exploring perceptions and barriers among practicing veterinarians and um so I'll 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 briefly read the objective and I'll read the results and then we can kind of discuss it. I think that's like a good synopsis. Yeah, yeah. So objective and and mind you, again this is Javma. This is all veterinarian focused, but I think we can still extrapolate this out to better. And we technology. can
1: share it to a we can share the link, but you're only I think you're only going to get like the abstract.
0: Yeah, I do, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the objective veterinarians are at higher risk for suicide than the general population, and one reason for this may be veterinarians' access to and knowledge of pentobarbital, a common suicide method in this population. One possible approach to reducing suicide risk is means safety. This study examined the acceptability and feasibility of means safety protocols in veterinary workplace. So, results, survey responses indicated that 30% uh, of veterinarians' reported storing their pentobarbital unlocked at least part of the time. During focus group discussion, participants perceived work-life balance or being overwhelmed as the most common suicide risk factor in veterinarians, with normalizing mental health emerging as a primary way to improve mental health in veterinarians. Additionally, adding an extra lockbox for pentobarbital or firearms emerged as the most acceptable and feasible means safety method. Finally, at post-test, veterinarians increased in willingness to imp- implement storage protocol changes, and were more likely to endorse concern about a coworker's suicide risk than concern about their own suicide risk as a reason to change pentobarbital storage methods. Um, I we've we've talked the whole life of this podcast about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime we hear about a suicide in veterinary medicine, we we talk about it. Um, and, and I've said a couple of times, I I don't know, maybe it's my morbid curiosity, but I sometimes I wish one thing that that doesn't get discussed is how that actually went down. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I wish it was because I think that could actually lead to change. Like if if, if people are actually using pentobarbital from the clinic to euthanize themselves then i think th- then 100% everything probably in this study absolutely is relevant to the replies if it's something they do at home via any other means or or you know not getting drugs from the clinic basically um and and i think that would be a huge huge help in understanding where we actually need to put up barriers because i know Certainly, when I worked at Tufts, everything was under lock and key. It was super legit um for for control substances. If you went to the to the Omni or the Cubex, you had to have two people and two fingerprints. And, you yeah. know, right? You know, do the whole thing. Obviously, it's not that way in most private smaller practices. Maybe right. things no, they are they have blocks, that everyone has, but like but there's always somebody that has access that can access things when the clinic is closed or, you know, somebody that has the ultimate key. And, uh, and so like, I, I think, I, I think this is actually a really potentially huge thing is like, if it's something where a decent percentage of people that are, are, are carrying out suicide are using things gained in the clinic to do so, improving those protocols and, you know, not leaving drugs out. Um, I mean, they're in the methods and things here. It talks about drug logs and and like how those can be falsified and like the, it talks a lot about like these are all good steps to take, but they don't individually they don't prevent right the problem. Like there has to be multiple barriers in in the way, and and I think that's just one thing that like I I don't know. I I think in some ways. At least in those that maybe again, it takes place either at the clinic or with means acquired at the clinic, and maybe that's that taboo thing that we don't want people to know that that like our protocols aren't good or that they had access to drugs and, and what have you. But like to me, that's a big thing we need to talk about.
1: I'm, I'm sure that there's there's got to be a way. Like I'm, I'm sure when this happens, like. The police are involved. There's a report that happens. There's a, a post-mortem exam or, or what have you. The information is out there on how they carried out their suicide. It, it's just that we don't – not that not that we need access to it, but somebody needs to have access to it to, to yep. make a study to say, these are the suicides that we saw this year. Uh, these are how they were carried out. And, and yeah. looking at those means of, of, of yeah. carrying that out and, and figuring out ways to – to correct that. Yeah. Did, did you mention in there that there are clinics that are, that have firearms on
0: site? Yes. Yeah, so there are, um, so, and there's basically two categories of that a self-defense or B, if those are used as a means of euthanasia. Um, so I'm guessing maybe large animal or like oh. wildlife or like, <laughs> you know, perhaps like, yeah. you know, darting things or, or yeah. things like, I, I, um, I don't, I didn't I think don't of that. Know, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to, to what extent, but, uh, but basically, it was, I think, just looking at things that could cause lethality yeah. in a clinic. So, um, and, and and I mean, there's other drugs that can do yeah. that too. In, in like a combination, combination. of it, it multiple different, just, different things, yeah, yeah, it doesn't just have to be pentobarbital. But you know, just thinking about, um, you know, I, I remember back in the day, uh, and, and maybe you were in clinic at the same time, but I want to say this was late 90s, early 2000s. There was a pentobarbital shortage. We couldn't get it, and we were mm-hmm. having to um, euthanize pets. We were having to, like, ket-val them down and then basically give them a huge hit of potassium chloride to stop their heart. It was absolutely miserable. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, back, back
1: then, I was in general practice. That wasn't much of an so issue so, like, us.
0: shortly – and that, thankfully, that was a very short window that that was occurring. But then once that, like, went away and we were able to get euthanasia solution again – I remember the doctor I worked with at the time – kept a bottle like in a locked cupboard in his office so that if we ran out and we weren't able to get any, we had a backup bottle, but like there was no accounting of that. Like, and, 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 you know, I'm going back 25 years now, but like, does that kind of stuff still happen today? Like where, where there's like just not good accounting. And, and I think we all hate Doing drug counts and inventory and what have you, but when it comes to these substances, like
1: well, in in speaking as someone that does relief, and I, I do find myself in general practices, the the control of their controlled substances is not as good. In and I'm not trying to call out general practice, but just my experience, the emergency practices that I've worked in, ha- most of them have a Cubex or uh, one of those fingerprint systems where two people do need to sign off on, on something yeah. like that. Um, in, in the general practices, yes, some of them do have that, but, but yeah, majority not so much. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that may be where some of the, the, the problem lies is that they don't have those things. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you said after hours in, in an ER, there are no after hours. There's right. no such thing. Right. Um, but there, e- even still, if there was one doctor in the, in the building, when you have that cubic system or, or that fingerprint system, they can't physically take out yeah. drugs by themselves. They just can't. Right. Um, and not just euthanasia solution, like hydro, buprenorphine, Fentanyl. propofol sometimes. Fentanyl, yeah. Those things are not accessible by one person. Right. Um, and actually, I, I will say that there are some places that... Where to get something like medazolam for like a seizure, you don't need a second fingerprint. Which, yeah, I don't, I don't know that anyone's yeah. going to carry out yeah. suicide with medazolam. But yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, there, I are, will say, there are ways of getting around it. I, I yeah. guess is what I'm saying.
0: I, I will say, in my time at Tufts, um, we had, and it was this way for all of our control substances on the Omni cell. It was you could set it up that way that you needed a second login, but we we elected to not do that because there was so much pushback that what if an emergency situation, we needed this like right now and we couldn't find somebody. And, and like, uh, again, like I, I mean, I used to cry this from the rooftops, like that's not the solution. If the, if the problem is, is that there, you can't find somebody to put in their second credentials. The problem isn't that the one person that needs access to the drugs now gets access to the drugs. Now the solution is you need more people, right. you you need to have more people available to be able to provide that. Yeah. Like, like that, that's, that's actually the problem is that you, you keep it at such a bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Everybody's off doing stuff and you can't find somebody. And like, yeah, it, it, so it's just, they, they, they kind of changed that to the, towards the end where they started, at least for euthanasia solution, they were requiring a second mm-hmm. input. Uh, but for all the other control substances, they didn't. And mm. it's like, you know, I, I, you always wondered, like, gosh, I mean, somebody could easily take 10 mils of fentanyl out for a patient and take it home. And I, I,
1: I heard a story. I, I forget who told me who told me this story, but but someone that had been fired um, had access to propofol and went with a butterfly into the bathroom and tried to inject themselves with an overdose of propofol to, to end it. And I, I, I don't know who it was, um, but it was a place that I I worked at previously and somebody told me that story. And I, I said that, that is, that is a huge problem that you have propofol that accessible, right. um, to be able to do that. And, and propofol is one of those ones where I don't, it's not technically it's not, controlled, it's not
0: controlled. Yeah. but
1: most places are treating it as controlled because yeah. you, you can easily kill yourself with that. Um, but I, I I feel like the the cubic system, the fingerprint system, uh, I f- I forget what the other one was called that we used. Um, but but those systems are are there and and hopefully are preventing some of this stuff. But yeah, like you said, I mean it's like it's like a would you rather's. There's always a loophole somewhere. Right. Right. And yeah. I think we need to figure out ways to. And it goes back to figuring out. How are people carrying out these these suicides? Is is it controlled substances? And how did how did they circumvent the system that was in place? And how do you close that loophole?
0: Right, right. And, and, and honestly, sharing that information like with right. with our colleagues that like, hey, so this is what happened. Um, this is how it happened, and like. Now we need to find a solution to try to prevent it in the future. I would like to and think that
1: somewhere there's a database of that information that's just not shared with the public.
0: Perhaps, perhaps, and maybe people know about it and yeah. and are are doing things. But I, I think that's like, and I think the whole part of this study is like putting up those temporary barriers, like the yeah. and 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 I. Uh, uh, I'm not going to quote anything because it's been too long now, but we talked about this, I think maybe the first year we were doing this podcast where we talked about something Dr. Rourke said that, like, a lot of times suicide, especially in in our profession, is, like, Not a snap decision, but it's something that like, I need to do this now. I need to get out now. It's not there. Certainly there are people that it's like a, a long thought out thing and a well thought out thing. But a lot of times it's, it's this thing that's just now. And, and the more barriers we put in place to be able to lengthen that period of time perhaps the more time they'll think about it and realize it's not the right decision.
1: Right. The, the, um, the length of time between having that thought and having right, access and to and the needs to do it. able to
0: carry it out. Yeah. Yes. And, and so, and I think that's like ultimately what I get out of this study is that like the more barriers we can put in place and the better we are at record keeping and, and what have you. And look, I mean, I know we've all worked in clinics or maybe some of us still do where we know everybody. We, Absolutely don't think, think, or we think we do. We think we do. Like we don't have to do that stuff at this clinic because we don't have to worry about that, those people. And, and I think that's kind of why with, with general practice versus emergency or specialty medicine, an emergency specialty medicine turnover's high. People are always coming and yeah. going. There's always a new door code to get in the building. Well, and not,
1: not only that, not only is the are, are the is the turnover high, but the the volume of people
0: is the high. volume of people is really high. And and in general practice, a lot of times that's not the case. So much um, more small. Yeah, it's much it's smaller. Much 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 smaller. A handful of staff usually there for a long period of time if it's a good work environment, and, and so it's very easy to be lax on some yeah. of that stuff. And especially if you've never had those protocols in place to try to implement them is like, you know, just gosh, does like
1: pulling does, teeth. Yeah.
0: Right. It's pulling teeth. And it's like, why do we have to do, 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 we, do this? Do this we really so, need this? So why do we to do this? Or, you know, those, and it's like, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, frankly, it's just good practice. And it, so I would challenge you here. We are just before new year's. Um, maybe not necessarily a new year's resolution, but just improve the protocols around control substances in your practices yeah. of of all sorts of all sorts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, so. and not just, not just the euthanasia solution, but like mm-hmm. all, all of it and, and improve your protocols because that, I mean, we've said this so many times before, like one little thing could, could save a life.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if it's, if it's just like a locked cupboard and one person has the key, yeah. Um, like, what is, frankly, what does that actually accomplish? Like, right. um, you know, if you have a, a lock with two locks that requires two separate keys, don't give one person both keys. Like, just, right. you know, like <laughs> it, it, just those little things that you think, ah, oh, such a pain in the butt, we don't need to do it. What if that person's in a room and I need to get in it right? Like, you go get them out of the room. Like, you know. Well,
1: and I've I've worked in places where, you know, we've got that that lock that goes on the cabinet where if I really wanted to, like in my younger days, I could rip that door off the hinges. Heck yeah. Just pull right off.
0: Yeah. Heck yeah. No,
1: like in the heat of the moment, if I if I really wanted to do that, yeah. Yeah. you weren't going to stop me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially like if you're the last person to leave and you're cleaning up and you're just frustrated and whatever else and you're mad, rip the cabin open. And, you know, like, so again, just those little things just to delay, like add on a few seconds. A right. um, couple minutes, whatever it may be, and and I, I think that's really what this this study was getting at, and I I hundred percent agree.
1: Yeah, and and quite honestly, you know, we don't want people leaving the profession, but if it's if it's that or leave the oh, profession, yeah, then, then just get leave out. the profession, get out, get, <laughs> get out, get out. We will help. We we will applaud you for doing that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you to leave, but if if yeah. if your mental health, if it's between one more person staying in this field or one more person staying on this earth stay on the earth
0: yeah yeah Easy absolutely peasy. absolutely all right all right well let's well,
1: let's let's end on something positive shall we yes let's uh,
0: <laughs> let's talk about 2024 2024
1: um, goals all right um well i i pre- i presented this to you and in, in a lot of the podcasts that i listen to and obviously i listen to a thousand times more podcasts than you do um, a lot of them will reach out at this time of year to say to their listeners, who do you want us to, what do you want to listen to? to? Give us ideas, give us stories that you want to listen to. Um, Give us guests. We always ask our guests, who do you want to put in your seat? Um, Caffeinators, who do you want us to put in the other, the other chair across the two of us? Uh, Of course, we're, you know, oceans away, (laughs) but who, who should we put in our, our, our seats? We've got a list of, Gosh, we probably have 10 or 12 people that are yeah, on our list yeah. of, of ones that we are wanting to interview in the immediate future. Um, but we are always open to yeah. newer ideas, newer guests, um, yeah. things that we haven't heard from, yeah. uh, people we haven't heard from, ideas that, that may be in your yeah. clinic that you, you even if you're like, eh, would they want that? Do, do they really want that? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't hurt do. to ask.
0: We do like, I mean, I, I can't think of unless it's something where, you know, really, I think the only thing we ever turn down is when companies want us to interview a veterinarian to sell their their product. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's basically it. Like, well, and what do we
1: do when we get those, when we get those emails, we say, is there a technician in your company that can promote that and talk about what it's like working for your company as a technician? That, that's what we want because this is a, a, a podcast for technicians. I I
0: mean, yeah.
1: How many? How many non technicians have we had on? A
0: handful.
1: Five, six, seven over the. I don't know how many number. Yeah. How many episodes are we on now? Like one hundred and forty something. Some. Like, um, but all the ep- all the episodes that we've had with non technicians have been. How do how how do you utilize technicians? What is your view of of the profession, um, in in. Kind of steering the the conversation to yes, you're doing this, but how how do technicians impact what you do? Um, so if you've got something that can yeah. promote this profession, obviously we wanna we wanna hear from them, even yeah. if it's like we have somebody that we're talking to that is a vet tech or a veterinary student that mm-hmm. we want to talk to because we want to understand what they know uh, going through the veterinary school. How, how are technicians viewed by you, by your colleagues, yeah. by your your classmates? Yeah, and that'll be a great um, discussion.
0: How would you feel about yeah. taking the VTNE in your fourth semester?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah.
0: Why, why why are you for that? Why would it? Why would you be against it? Like, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so yeah, um, for twenty twenty four. If you think of anything interesting, or you know of anybody we should talk to, or yourself, or you know of anybody that's blazing a cool trail, um, yeah yeah we 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 for sure want to talk about it, and uh, we're
1: we're planning our Phoenix trip. We've been yes. conversing um we're mm-hmm. going back to phoenix in in March I think is, March, is the yeah. plan yeah um we decided that uh no offense to Florida. Um, <laughs> we decided that phoenix was was a great time, and uh, Jeff and I are huge baseball fans, and the 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 one thing that we looked at in in relation to that was yes, Jeff is a, an Angels fan and they have spring training in, in Phoenix where I'm a Red Sox fan and they have tr- spring training in Florida. The difference is that, gosh, how many how many games do we go to in Phoenix yeah, in a, a yeah. span of like three days? Yeah,
0: everything is basically within a half hour. Of within each other. a half hour all, all, to an all hour. All the teams. And in Florida, they're spread all over the state. It,
1: it's at least an hour, two hour drive to get to the next stadium. Yeah. So yeah. Um, a, as much as I want to go see my Red Sox in spring training, I, I, I'm more happy to go to... A variety of games than 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 seeing my one yeah. team one time. Right, I'd yeah. rather go to a bunch of different games. Yeah, yeah. And I I just love going to the different stadiums. Like the the stadiums that we went to last year, like were so vastly different. There wasn't one thing that was that I was like, it's the same as the last one. Like that the right. one for the Rockies stadium where we saw the Rockies and the Dodgers. Done, that was yeah. like an MLB stadium.
0: I know. I know. Yeah, that was
1: crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, we're we're gonna go do that again in March, um, and hopefully we'll see some caffeinators there. Maybe we'll we'll maybe we'll plan to be at a brewery at a time and see if anybody yep. shows up or or what have you. Um, gonna, I know there's gonna, a few people this in year. The this year, area.
1: I need to like I need to prep because I, I don't drink as much beer as Jeff does anymore. Uh, and like the first day, like I was like, oh man. <laughs> I don't know that I can hang with this dude anymore. <laughs> I'm going to have to like prep before I get, before I get to Phoenix.
0: <laughs> I mean, I could also back it down a little bit.
1: No, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to control you, buddy. <laughs> like uh, literally when I was on vacation, I had, I had two beers. Everything else is all like my ties, margaritas. Um, I had two beers. And like after the second beer, I was full. And I was like, when we go to, when when we go back to Phoenix, I need to like, I need to like train to get to hang with Jeff because, man, I was I was I'm not a young man anymore. I'm, oh. I'm an old dude, <laughs> and you and you're not that much younger. I'm, how I'm how old are you now? 45, like Forty five. Forty five. Yeah, you're like yeah. five years younger than me. Yeah, and your your beard. I, I cannot. Yeah. I cannot drink as much beer speaking, as you speaking, do.
0: Speaking of 45, I went and saw the doctor this last week, just like for, you know, annual checkup or whatever. And he's like, congratulations on turning 45. I'll get you a colonoscopy referral. <laughs> like, oh, go, oh, go. Oh, okay, great. Good to see you too, doc.
1: <laughs> don't, uh, I mean, Robin's going to listen to this, but don't tell her. But I, I don't think I've been to a doctor since I was 45. <laughs> oh, gosh. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it was maybe
0: that should be your 2024 goals, caffeinators. Take care of yourselves. Okay. Check around yourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, because it was shortly after Robin and I were together, and she's like, "If if you don't go to the doctor, I'm not going to go get my breast cancer screening." And I know you want me to do that. And I was like, "All right, I'll go to the doctor." And I went to the doctor. I've never been back. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> Uh, the games we play, the games we play. Yes,
0: yes, for sure. Uh, well, Caffeinators, um, happy new year to every one of you. Um, if you're working on new year's Eve or new year's day, uh, may the clients be nice. Uh, the animals be good patients and, uh, may your shift end on time. And And this will upload
1: on... On the thirty first. So yes,
0: yes. Um, happy so happy New, Year. New Year to all of you. Um, thank you very much for for staying with us and continuing to tune in wherever you're listening from. Um, and and special request to to any of you that are, are listening to this from another country. We would yeah. love to talk to you about what it is those are some of our
1: favorite episodes where you
0: are and and all about what it looks like to to do what you do in the country that you live in so um absolutely special shout out to you um hope everybody has a great new year's and we will see you again in 2024
1: all right bye guys